Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is powered by Christianity Today. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's Doug. I've been on sabbatical, so you have. I'm like Bigfoot. There's been a few sightings, but no actual verifications. Um, anyways, really glad to be with you all today. Um, I'm excited to intro our very last episode of season six, um, and it's a little bit different. One of the things that JR and I love is we enjoy the conversations that we get to have before and after with a lot of our guests. And so I had this crazy idea a couple months back before the sabbatical. I thought, what if we did sort of a mashup of just different conversations that we had with folks uh, and specifically around one major question, uh, what's something in your office or an icon that you have that has great meaning? And so you're about to listen to um, quite a few of our guests that we've had over this past season talk about things that are important to them, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's a a Bible or a book um, or a painting or something in their office that has great meaning. So we know you're going to enjoy this. Uh, We are taking off the entire month of August uh, so we can get some time to rest and actually practice what we preach. We're also looking forward to starting back in September with season number seven. Hard to believe that we have been on for that long. And I'm psyched to hang out with JR again and for the two of us to resume kind of life as normal. So we're looking forward to seeing you all back in September. We know that you're going to enjoy this episode of Offices and Icons with the Monday Morning Pastor. a tiny Bible. Um, And if you were to hold this Bible, you'll notice two things. The first thing you'll notice is it's a very old Bible. It's probably about 80 years old. But you'll also notice that the cover of this little pocket Bible is metal. And the story behind this Bible is this is the Bible my grandmother gave my grandpa Rudy to carry with him in the war. And What's significant about this is it's not unique. There were a lot of Bibles in World War II that had metal covers. And they would actually put it right over their heart in case they, were, they got shot. And my grandpa carried this around in World War II. And there's no holes in it. He survived the war. But he would literally put God's word over his heart as a way to protect um, from the enemy's you know, shots. And I, I keep this in my office. Um, my grandpa was not a man particularly of faith, neither was my grandma. Um, but I keep this icon in my room, as it were, as a reminder that this is the book that has shaped our world and shaped a whole generation and shaped generations of people. And that we really can't understand our world without understanding this book. This is the book that literally saved lives. This is the book that people carried around in their worst moments. And I always want to remember that even my grandpa put this over his heart. I want to put it over mine too. So one of my favorite things is a, um, a hand print of a Wendell Berry poem that someone in our church in Charlottesville at All Souls gave me years back. I was, uh, I did my PhD work at the University of Virginia and it was in religion and literature and it was 
focused on Wendell Berry's fiction. And he came to speak at the university. And I can't remember the timing of it exactly, but I didn't get to go. I'm not even sure if this was before or after I started doctoral work, but in any, in any stretch, this person really knew how much I loved um, Wendell. And so he snagged one of these limited edition prints for me, and it hangs uh, by the door of my study. And it's, uh, it's Wendell Berry, Sabbaths, two, 2007. It's number nine, and I'll read it, and I'll tell you why it's important to me. I go by a field where once I cultivated a few poor crops. It is now covered with young trees. For the forest that belongs here has come back and reclaimed its own. And I think of all the effort I have wasted and all the time. And of how much joy I took in that failed work and how much it taught me. For in so failing, I learned something of my place, something of myself. And now I welcome back the trees. So for me, that is a kind of pastoral prayer um, to, to recognize um, that my work is important, but it's not that important. And that what God is up to is a lot bigger than any of my efforts. And that what might even seem like failure to me may actually be part of the great design of. God. And so it's a way of embracing humility. Um, and at the same time, a kind of playfulness of the future is not up to me. And the end may be something that I don't even imagine at all. And I'm just going to enjoy it all as the grace that it is. So that is one of my favorite things in my study. things that I keep in my office and always have since I've been in ministry is a stack of my journals since I was a child. And that has been so important to me. And, and I'm talking like even in my, my church office, it's in my bottom bookshelf underneath all of my commentaries. And there is a dozen or more journals in there that go all the way back to my childhood even. And one of the reasons that I do that is because I want to remember where God has taken me. And so there have been so many times that even sitting in my office in the middle of the day, I will go back and I will read my journal from eighth grade of me beginning to ask questions about God and who God is. And then I'll go back and I'll read my journal to when I was beginning to discover Jesus. And then I'll go back and I'll read my journal to when I just wanted to shout from the mountaintops about Jesus. And then I'll go back and I'll read my journal from those times when I was in just the complete and total value or valley and God's grace carried me through. And so it's always been really important to me to have all my personal journals in my office wherever I go. So <laughs> one of the pictures that I have in my living space is uh, a picture of the Eagle and Child, uh, which is the pub where uh, the Inklings with uh, C.S. Uh, Lewis and Tolkien, et cetera, met 
um, uh, and that that's it, it and and so when I first moved to Oxford, we actually lived right above there. <laughs> we lived there for for a month. But my favorite the the other thing that it reminds me of, honestly, is uh, my doctoral advisor at the University of Oxford was a guy by the name of John Walsh, and John Walsh is ninety three years old uh, today, and um, uh, he he was an inkling. He went to the Eagle and Child and sat with C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien and um, heard their stories and knew them as human beings. He used to have lunch with a guy by the name of T.S. Eliot. He, um, <laughs> he, course, he, he met and befriended Beatrix Potter. And, and so when I, I'm a historian, and when I reflect on my own journey, and, and my doctoral advisor, John Walsh, has probably been the single most influential person in my life academically, um, um, I recognize that I stand in this tradition of, 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 of you know, I'm not saying that he passed on stuff from C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and stuff like that, but I'm just saying it's a reminder to me that, that I am who I am because of other people in my life. And they are who they are because of the people who have influenced them. So uh, whenever I think of the eagle and child and I think of the inklings, uh, I think that I, I, I'm, you know, one degree of separation or whatever, whatever you might say for one of them. So that's my story about the eagle and child. This is a wooden cross. It was a processional cross. Um, there's a, a line down through one of the arms of the cross where it had, it had fallen and broken, and I glued it back together. I found myself at a point in my late 40s where... I was just struggling to to pay the bills month to month. And I started driving for both Uber and Lyft at night. Um, I had two kids in college at the time and was having to pay tuition on top of, of all the, the regular bills. And I, I took a position at my church as Sexton, which is the facilities manager, basically, a, um, you know, a janitorial things as well as setting up and tearing down for, for all the services. And, and it, it wasn't where I envisioned myself as being at that point in my life. And yet there wasn't any quick way out of it. I mean, I was still doing a little bit of, of songwriting, but there just wasn't wasn't much revenue to to be had from that anymore and it was it was kind of soul crushing um you know at at four in the afternoon to head into Nashville to drive drunk people around till two in the morning and initially I just wanted you know, kind of like an animal with its leg in a trap, <laughs> just 
just wanted to find a way out of out of all of that, out of that season. Um, but there there wasn't any any quick way out. And ultimately, I it was it was one of those seasons of life where I had to come to the point of saying, okay, if this is how it is, then that's okay. I I have to trust that that these are not things that are of eternal significance. Um, that that maybe my dreams and ambitions aren't going to turn out the way I had hoped. And, you know, I might, I might for a long time just have to be hustling for, for money to pay the electric bill and the mortgage and, and coming to, to a place of, of being willing to let go of, of the control that I wanted and to for the posture of my heart to be in a more surrendered place during that season. I, it, it included the year that I wrote every moment holy, you know, ultimately because, because that book was as well received as it was as quickly as it was um, within a year of it being published, I had stepped out of my role at the church and was able to focus on, on, writing and was just you know in a very different place but when this when this cross broke and they had a a woodworker make a new one i asked if i could take it <laughs> um just as a reminder of of that time of that season um of that ongoing need to i think to to maintain a posture of humility to know that that where I am is not about um, my abilities, or maybe maybe just to say that that all I can do is seek to be faithful in the circumstances in which I find myself today. Mm-hmm.